After an extended festive break, we're back with lots to catch up on. There's big stories in the NHL, some great international competition action, and the Champions Hockey League getting to the semi-final stages. It's all ahead of us on episode 11 of the Hockey With Eyes podcast. Great to be back. My name is Matt and this is the Hockey With Ice podcast. I'm recording this on Sunday evening, UK time, Sunday, January 14th. It's been a while. I was going to be doing a podcast recording last week, but things kind of counted against me, worked against me, lots of things coming up with work and all sorts of other stuff. So I thought rather than just quickly knock one together, I'll wait have an extended Christmas break and then get back to it this week. And there's plenty to catch up on, as I said in the intro. So I hope you're doing well. Last time we spoke, or last time I spoke to you guys, it was coming up to Christmas. So Christmas feels like a long time ago by now, doesn't it? But I hope you had a good break. And there has been lots of good hockey to enjoy over the past couple of weeks. It does feel like you come through Christmas We've just reached the halfway point in the NHL season. It's a halfway point in a lot of seasons in Europe. So it feels like things are now starting to build. Of course, we get the trade deadline coming up and you're going to have lots of rumours coming about. Lots of people trying to find ways for their team potentially to get better for a playoff run. Potentially looking to build for next year. So there's lots of that to To delve into, we've not got too much in the way of rumours so far, but they will be coming soon enough, we know. And then you get to the real business end of the league and teams fighting to uh, either get into the playoffs at all or to try and get good seedings for the playoffs. So it's really starting to kick off now. Cannot wait to get going. As I mentioned at the start, we've got various different things we can be catching up on today, not least the Champions Hockey League semi-finals, which we'll be covering in a little while. But let's start... Let's start in North America, in fact. Let's start with the National Hockey League. National Hockey League. N-H-L. Regular listeners of La Pod will already know which story I'm going to lead on for the NHL in this episode. Yes, it is my Edmonton Oilers have gone 10 games in a row. Winning one after another. Fantastic. It has been quite incredible to watch. Last night's game, Saturday night's game in Montreal, was an absolute cracker, I have to say. Both teams were really up for it. They were talking before the game. Uh, Martin St. Louis, the Habs head coach, was talking about how where the Canadians are right now. Let's, they know they're not really competing for playoff places. They've got to see who is up for the fight in future. And games against teams like the Edmonton Oilers coming in hot on the back of nine straight wins. It's a big test for his team. And they really showed up last night. It was such a competitive game. Hard hitting. Just brilliant. Brilliant to watch. Of course, I was particularly happy that the Oilers came out on top in overtime 2-1. to one, But a really, really good game. An absolute treat. Uh, hockey night in Canada on Saturday. So that was 10 wins in a row for the Oilers. And it is quite incredible, in fact, that this is the first time in franchise history that the Oilers have ever done that. When you think of all the incredible teams in the 80s, particularly, they never actually got to 10 wins in a row. This is the first time it's happened from an Edmonton Oilers team. And they could be very proud of that. Of 
course, it's come in a real turnaround of fortune. Such a shocker of a start that cost Jay Woodcroft his job. They've won 20 of the 26 games since Chris Knobloch came in as head coach. That is some sort of form. It's definitely had an impact. I said in the podcast when the news was announced of Jay Woodcroft being sacked, I did think it was a bit unfair on him. Certainly felt like there were lots of things just a little bit out of kilter and particularly with Conor McDavid having suffered an injury and did feel things would start turning. And I'm sure Jay Woodcroft will tell you he felt that things were going to start turning. But they made the decision and, well, you can't argue with it now, can you? The form has been outstanding since then. Ten wins in a row. The next game takes place, um, I think it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday night at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So that'll be um, early Wednesday morning here in the UK. And it is against the other Original six team from Canada it is the Toronto Maple Leafs who will be coming to Edmonton for the only time this season. So boy, will that be a big test. Can they get to 11, the Oilers, or will the Maple Leafs knock them down? Well, the streak's got to end at some point, right? But that should be another really, really good game. So starting it off, as we mean to go on, Edmonton Oilers on a 10-game winning streak. But as the Toronto Maple Leafs are coming into Rogers' place, they're a good place to move on to next, one of the big stories that's emerged over the past couple of weeks was the tale of a Swedish god, some might say. The man known as William Nylander, Big Willie. There was so much talk during the off-season and heading into this season. What would the future hold for William Nylander? Such a good player, but had one year left on his contract, could he and the Toronto Maple Leafs come to a deal. Well, the end result was this. What? <laughs> that is William Nylander laughing all the way to the bank because he agreed an eight-year extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's eight years, $92 million. Um, so something like $11.5 million average annual value. There's a full no-movement clause apparently as well. Kicks in from next season. So he is under contract until the end of the 31-32 season. Interesting little detail there that of the $92 million, $69 million is in signing bonuses. There's all these sort of shenanigans that go on, isn't there, in terms of how you uh, assign what is the base salary, what is performance, what is a signing bonus, and how to get split over the life of the contract. But it is... I mean, a lot, a lot of, obviously, it's a lot of money, but I would say it's certainly at the upper reaches of what I thought Neeland would get. Coming into the season, all of the talk over the off-season that they hadn't yet come to a deal, a lot of that was centering around that Neelander was looking for at least $10 million a year. And, of course, this is coming on the back of the fact that they'd signed an extension with Austin Matthews, who's on a lot of money, as he should be, as a great player. But I've also got Mitch Marner under contract. I've also got John Tavares under contract. So the question was always, could they go and get yet another fourth contract? Because that's a lot of money to tie up in four players. How it's turned out, of course, William Nedander has started this season absolutely on fire. He has been tremendous this season. Exactly what you want to do in your contract year. He has done that and more. So he has very much 
got the great end of this at eleven and a half million dollars. That that that's that's certainly what he his performances this season would justify. Up and down over the past three years, certainly at times you would give him that sort of money. At times you would want a bit less, maybe more than a nine and a half million. I know it's all a bit semantics from a from us ordinary mere mortals and this sort of money, but it is certainly the top end of his scale, and we'll see how that comes back and affects Maple Leafs over the next eight years or so. We've already seen, I think it's something like, if I read this correctly, um, it's something like he's played three games for the Maple Leafs since signing this contract and hasn't got a point in any of those three games. And there are already Toronto Maple Leaf fans who are calling him out for it, which is just the way it goes. I'm sure he understood that when he signed the contract. But yes, the obvious thing that will kick on from there. So what's going to happen to Mitch Marner, who's going to need a new contract. John Tavares would need a new contract. Although I think perhaps with Tavares, there might be a bit of wiggle room there if he wants to carry on with the Toronto Maple Leafs. At that stage, as a veteran player, maybe they can do a deal where he's on still a good salary, but certainly a lesser salary than he might ever be if he wants to stay in Toronto. And he might be open to do that. But big money for big Willie. William Nylander, an eight-year extension he is going to remain a Toronto Maple Leaf, which is great news for Maple Leaf fans. It's a lot of money, though. Good for him. I think good for the Maple Leafs. We'll see how that goes. But let's going to put even more pressure on him and the rest of the Maple Leafs to get things going this season. They've had a great first half of the season. But how many times have we said that about the Toronto Maple Leafs over the years? It's all about the playoffs for them. All about finally ending that horrendously long drought for a Stanley Cup. Can they do it? We shall find out. We shall also find out what's going to go on with both the Philadelphia Flyers, who've had an excellent start to the season, very surprising in a good way, just how well that team has held together, and also the Anaheim Ducks. And this was a really interesting story, wasn't it? It was the trade of Cutter Gauthier and Jamie Drysdale. Now, this is the sort of thing that rarely happens, was it? A top prospect Cutter Gautier um, apparently was a boyhood fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates Pittsburgh Pirates Pittsburgh Penguins I mean he may have been a Pirates fan too um, I don't think he didn't want to play for Philadelphia Flyers just because he was a Pittsburgh fan but that is what came about and it was interesting to hear the GM talking about it that even before they drafted him there was some talk about whether Casagosier really wanted to sign for the Flyers, and then he said he did. So he signed for them, and now he turned around and said to them he didn't want to be a Philadelphia Flyer and wanted to be traded. It's a bizarre situation in many ways. I know it's happened a few times in the past. We've had the same thing. I mean, it's slightly different with Adam Fox a few years ago, but it's a similar sort of situation where a player just says, I'm a young prospect. I know you can sign me. You can pick whoever you like, but I don't really want to play for you. Just won the gold medal with the US at the World Juniors. And I think from the outside, Flyers fans were looking at that and thinking, OK, we've got a real prospect on our hands, obviously at college at the moment. But we're really excited to add someone like that to the team maybe next season. And then it came out of nowhere, the trade to the Anaheim Ducks. Good on the Ducks for jumping on the opportunity, I would say. Um, Pat Fabeek, the GM of the Ducks, had apparently tried to... I think I read he tried to trade draft picks previously to try to give him a better chance of 
drafting Casagosier, which didn't ultimately pan out, but he's got his man in the end. So they've got another very good young centre. Of course, Leo Carlson is there already. Um, Trevor Segrist has unfortunately suffered another injury recently, but some good young talent there, right? But that's what's going to happen. They've had to give up Jamie Drysdale, a very good young defender who missed pretty much all of last season with an injury. He's had more injuries this season. It's just been the one knocking him. If he can keep on the ice, very good player. But he certainly started well with the Flyers. So I hope it does work out for him. But yeah, what do you think about this situation? Is it is it wrong of Cutter to do this? I do always think there is a, particularly at the draft and particularly in that first contract where you're under contract for six, seven years often, the fact that you really get no say about it is a bit odd. I know it's just how it works with the draft, but the, I think the weirdest thing that we've found out so far from it is that he hasn't actually explained himself to the Philadelphia Flyers, which I find, I do find unprofessional. I think that is the right word. That is disrespectful and unprofessional. If you don't want to play somewhere, at least have the courtesy to sit down with the people and go through it in detail and explain your actions. Apparently, he has completely blanked them, hasn't wanted to have any conversations with them, so they're nonplussed by the whole thing. But, yeah, if you're the Flyers, if you're any team, you don't want to give up an exciting young talent like him. But sometimes you just get into a situation where you've just got to get, make the best of it. If he wants, if he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there. So they've got a very good young defender in it. They also got a second round pick in the 2025 draft. So it has a potential to work out well for both teams, but it is definitely one of those trades that we will be looking back on year on year for quite a while to see who has come out well from this trade. It is a high stakes one in certain respects, but an exciting one on that. And we don't, like I say, we don't tend to see these things all that much. So uh, as someone who doesn't really have a dog in a fight in the sense of whether it works out for either team or either player, I'm very interested to see over the next few years how this one plays out. And that's um, good news ultimately. I mean, hopefully he is happy. I don't know if he was happy being traded to the Anaheim Ducks. I guess we would have found out by now if not. But hopefully those two players are going to be happy in their new surroundings. There is, of course, always some less happy news, and that is with the injuries. Quite a few I could have reported on, but I'll just pick out a couple. One of them. A guy I just mentioned, Leo Carlson, he is out four to six weeks with an MCL sprain, which is never good. It's never good news to have a young player have knee problems. But by all accounts, it, it was a much better result than what they originally feared it might be. They thought it might be a much longer layoff. So he should be back. I mean, this was this came out just before Christmas, actually. Blimey, that's quite a few weeks. So he's probably about a couple of weeks away, maybe two or three weeks away from here. So not too much of a wait now for him. But it's disappointing, isn't it? They have taken a very cautious approach with him all season, which I do think is the right thing to do. And that's a classic case of the exact opposite of what's gone on with the Flyers. Of course, it's a different situation the Flyers and Gautier because he was at college. He wasn't with them. He wasn't in the system at all, never mind with the NHL team. 
But with the Ducks and Carlson, Lev had what sounds like excellent communication between the team, the player and his agent on how they wanted to manage his workload this season. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's happy. That's how it should work. So unfortunate for Leo Carlson to be out at the moment, but it is just a minor roadblock, hopefully. The same can be said for Conor Bedard. Just what none of us wanted to hear. He has undergone surgery for his jaw injury, a fractured jaw. Um, He will be out something like six weeks, maybe up to eight weeks. We'll see. He is well known for being someone who just works incredibly hard. And I was reading, I think it was at The Athletic today. I think it was that... um, there's already a plan on how he can start going with his rehab because he's got to be careful and they're going to have to hold him back a bit. There's quite a lot he can do in terms of his general fitness whilst allowing his uh, the surgery and everything to um, rest and heal up with the jaw. So maybe he'll be back on the lower end of that time scale. But it was such a shame. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks, it's really not unfair to say they've got nothing else going for them at the moment. Evelyn Conor Bedard, he is the man you will want to see. He has been every bit as good as hoped for. Um, in fact, arguably more so. I mean, the expectations are so high anyway, it seems bizarre that that could be possible. But he's been excellent for them. It would affect, of course, the Calder Trophy um, stakes because his counter numbers aren't going to be quite as ridiculous as they might have been. So there's a few people in the running for that, but really disappointing for Chicago and really disappointing for him. But thankfully, it is nothing that should um, impede him any longer after he has come back from the surgery. So Conor Bedard out for the moment, the outstanding young rookie, but hopefully back in a month or so, back playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, that is the main NHL news. We now turn to a brief little look, and it is just a brief look, I'm afraid. International hockey. So it came up because last year's World Juniors, Conor Bedard was the absolute star of the show for Canada. I would like to say I enjoyed the World Juniors this December, late December, early January. But the reality is I couldn't bloody watch it. I hate it when these clowns do this. So World Juniors being staged in Gothenburg, Sweden. It was a great tournament by all accounts. Lots of exciting hockey. But people like me, all we could do was enjoy watching the highlights and reading about it because it wasn't available to watch, legally at least, anywhere for most people around the world. So this is what happens, right? People like the, um, what are they called now? The IIHF, aren't they? International Ice Hockey Federation. They essentially do a contract with some big company who will go about trying to sell the broadcasting rights on their behalf. And I'll go country to country. They'll have certain parameters that the federation have put in place as to what they're looking for. And this company will try and sell the rights. And at last... Last time I looked, just as the tournament was starting, I think there were TV rights and streaming rights deals for 10 countries. It may have been 11. I think it was 10 or 11. Um, So the obvious markets. But everywhere else, there were no rights deals and there was no alternative to watch it, which I just find, I find crazy in the current 
current times. I mean, I get that you don't want to undercut your rights deals. That makes absolute sense. They're valuable in Sweden and Canada, US. Absolutely. But surely they could put it on their YouTube channel and then geo block it to those countries to allow everyone else that has no way of watching it to enjoy it. Surely it's better to let them enjoy it rather than to block them out completely. Well, that's the state we're in. So I hope you enjoyed the World Juniors. It did seem like it was a good tournament. Kind of, I don't know, the, the, the highlights I saw and then the reports I read suggested that it basically went as a lot of people predicted. Interested in your thoughts? Do let me know at Hockey with Ice on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, and what you thought about it. Um, the US won, of course, and they were certainly the favourites going into the tournament with a very strong roster. Sweden were up led two and had the advantage of a home crowd. And they went all the way to the final. I'm sure they'll be absolutely devastated to lose in the final. But on paper, that was probably where they were, probably second just behind the States. Canada, really disappointing world genius for them. I know they won three of the last four, but... Again, lots of the experts who know a lot more about this than me in terms of those young Canadian prospects were saying before the tournament that relative to previous editions, it was it was an OK Canada roster, but not a particularly outstanding one. And expectations weren't quite so high as they were usually. So disappointing for them to go out so early. But the US won it, did well. Sweden an outstanding tournament and it's always good it doesn't matter what the sports what the tournament the host nation having a good run in the tournament always makes it much better so yes disappointing for sweden well done to the us and up yours international ice hockey federation for stopping most of us from being able to bloody watch it hopefully it'll sort out for the next time the world juniors is held that is all i've got from international hockey because i couldn't see it but we can see the Champions Hockey League, the premier, if you're North American, the premier club hockey competition here in Europe. We are at the semi-final stage. We've had the first legs of those semi-finals. Let's catch up on those and preview the return legs right now. Champions Hockey League. Wow, it is a really good competition. And I know I know when you look at the, the, the way it's set up and look at the previous winners, particularly it, it's, it got going back again about eight years ago, didn't it? Eight, nine years ago in the current format. It is dominated by Sweden and Finland, which is as you'd expect, but it does produce some really good matchups, some very interesting matchups all the way along the competition, giving club teams across Europe feel chance to mix it with the the more elite teams, the more kind of ones with the most name value. Um, great for those teams, great for the players playing for them to really put themselves in the shop window. And the competition so far this year, this season has been really good. Some shocks, not least Tapera Tompera, the reigning champions getting knocked out at the group stage, not even making it to the playoffs. But we are now in the semifinals and four countries represented in their First legs are done. Let's take a look. So, first semi-final, Vitkovic Radira from the Czech Republic and Hrdovce 
from Sweden. So first leg in that one was at the Ostrava Arena. Fikovic of Redeemer were hoping to make that home ice count, really, because Halefja probably are the favourite of the four teams left in the competition. It was an exciting back-and-forth game, particularly the first period. There were four goals shared out in a little more than six minutes in this one. Back and forth. Halefja got it started five and a half minutes into the game. Lena Slidstrom opened the scoring Vikovic hit back. The crowd were going crazy. Captain Dominic Lakatosh on a power play and then an alternate captain, uh, Rasislav Day, hit with another goal. So that was a home team coming back into it, scoring two goals. And that was two goals in like three minutes or so. So they turned around a 1-0 deficit to 2-1. But crucial moment came in the game just a few minutes later it was on the 11th minute and not perhaps at least not just a crucial moment in that first leg but potentially will be looked back on as a crucial moment in the semi-final because on the 11th minute her left just par Lindheim got called for a slashing uh, infraction so Fikovic went back on the power play that had worked well for them to get back into the game just a little early in the first period however 30 seconds into the power play, Martin Circles picked up a loose puck. The Vitkovic zone fired a wrist shot, a fantastic shot it was, past uh, Lukas Klimesh in the Vitkovic goal, and that tied it up 2-2. And of course, under the experimental power play rules that were in effect in the Champions Hockey League this season, it also killed the power play straight away after 30 minutes. So from a great opportunity for Vitkovic to maybe get a couple of goals ahead, Halefja got right back in it, completely turned the momentum of the game around. And from there, Halefja were able to go on and win the first leg 4-2. Parlin's home scored in the second period, Dylan Sakura scored in the third. So the Swedish team have a two-goal lead heading back to the Halefja uh, Kraft Arena on Tuesday this week. So that's Tuesday 16th. Disappointing for Vitkovic. Um, they're still in it. They're only two goals behind, so no one's counting them out just yet. But this was certainly a matchup where you thought Halefja have been so, so good this season, so good at home in particular. Vitkovic really needed a win from the home leg to give them a good chance, didn't they? But they're still in it, still there, but you've got to fancy Halefja from here with a 4-2 lead. Of course, it is done on an aggregate score over the two game so they go in essentially two goals to the good and will look to make the most of that advantage on Tuesday. In the other semi-final it was Switzerland against Finland so Switzerland's Jeff Sevet in Geneva and Finland's Luko Rama. Now this one is all square 2-2 after the first leg so everything to play for in the second leg in Finland. Uh, as the home team got off to the perfect start taking the lead on 8 minutes through Marco Miranda. 4.5 minutes into the second period low Luko Rama turned the game on its head with two quick goals. Captain Julius Muttler, him again he's been so good for them. He equalised with a quick rebound attempt. I mean it was so, it took everyone's surprise, not least Genef's Finnish goalkeeper, um Yuri uh, Okinora, who's in goal for Genef Savet, but took a good shot. It bounced out a long way back to him and he just fired it in like in a blink of an eye stuff. And it almost took everyone by surprise to commentate, oh wow, they've scored. Brilliant stuff from him. And then two minutes later, really nice play by Tuka Texler. Sent through Gabriel Fontaine on the rush. He made no mistake, made it 2-1 to the visiting team. 
So they were in a great position. But credit goes to Genev Savet, though. They hit back. They didn't go under. It could have been a big blow for them. Just two and a half minutes later, they equalised through defenseman Giancarlo Shanton. And that's how the game finished. 2-2. Two, two. So, Luka Rama will head back home for the second leg. Confident. Win at home. They go through. That's a perfect position for them to be in. But Genev Savet are right there. And if they can get the first goal especially if they can get two goals ahead, potentially. Boy, is that going to put the pressure on Luca Rabbit with a home crowd behind them. So plenty to look forward to in that one. The schedule for next week. So it's Tuesday, Tuesday 16th. The first game is actually going to be Luca Rabbit and Jeff Savet. That starts 6.30pm local time. It's 4.30pm UK time. And then 90 minutes later, it's Halefja against Fitkovic at Ridera. It starts at 7 p.m. local time in Sweden, 6 p.m. here in the UK. The winners will go through to the final, which is a single game showdown that takes place in a month's time. That's on Tuesday, February 20th. So who is going to do it? You have to look. Coming into the semifinals, the established names were Halefja and Luka Rama, a Swedish Finnish um, competitors, you would expect them to go through. Halefja definitely are in the box seat there in their tie. Luka Rama, you'd favour them because they're level and going home. But Genev Savet and Vitkovic Rodera certainly are not out of it. And yeah, we could have a real shock on our hands if one of those get through. But we'll see. Plenty to look forward to on that. You can find out all the details on the Champions Hockey League website, including where you can watch it. But Keep an eye out for that because it is a great competition. Really getting to the to the heart of the matter with the semi-final stage and plenty to play for from here. That is the Champions Hockey League. And as we've been talking about Halefja, let's do a nice roundup of everything that's been going on over the past week or so in the Swedish Hockey League. SVM, Svenska Hockey League. Swedish Hockey League, SHL, Svenska Hockey League, Swedish Hockey League, Swedish Hockey League. It's the Swedish Hockey League, Svenska Hockey League, and there has been lots to look forward to in that. I watched most of the games on Home of Hockey, which is a great new service available. Check out the details on that, homeofhockey.tv. So much to enjoy. Honestly, I'm watching so much Swedish hockey at the moment. It's a bit mad, but I'm loving it. And I do, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but the way Home of Hockey works is that you generally don't get any commentary, any play-by-play. You just get the crowd noise, the arena noise. They usually will pick one game, say one SHL game of the seven being played that night and, um, and put English language commentary on top, which is always good. But I like... Watching the hockey without the commentary, I like hearing the sounds of the crowd, especially across Europe, because they're always drumming and chanting and all of that stuff. And you hear this, the players, you hear the referees, you hear the linesmen. So I quite like it, actually. No offence to any commentators out there, but I do like the uh, the non-play-by-play audio on the home of hockey. But yeah, so much good Swedish action to enjoy. And we will start with Halefje because they have had... A great week. I mean, couldn't be better for them with the Champions Hockey League semi-final first leg win. 
Les Lembeats, Hoever 38 or HV71 if you're English, 3 to 1 on Thursday. And then their home game against Lynn Sherpin on Saturday was a cracker. Hoever went into it fifth in the Swedish Hockey League. Lynn Sherpin were in third, but Hoever thumped them, absolutely thumped them. 7-1. Six of the seven goals came on a power play, including the first five. Now, to state the obvious, Lynn Sherpin may look back and I think, hmm, maybe they should have found a way to stop going in the penalty box. Bearing in mind that Hoelefje power play was so lethal. And of course, this is without Axel Sandin Pedica, great young Swedish player um, who picked up, uh, I think it was an upper body injury of some sort, did play through it in the final of the World Juniors, but is out for a week or so. So he's such a danger on the blue line. He's not even on the roster at the moment, but they still stuck in six power play goals, which is quite remarkable. Jonathan Jonsson also got five assists in this one. So he's been a really important player for them. He was out for 10 weeks, I think it was, and just came back just after Christmas. And he's looked good right from the off, which is important for them, centering the second line, usually for them. So five assists for him in that game. There were four assists apiece for Jonathan Pudis, the captain, and also Oscar Limbai. So they are rocking and rolling. Four SHL wins in a row for her left year. They're now up to third and tied with Lynn Sherpin on 58 points. Can they do the double? Can they go Champions Hockey League? And Swedish Hockey League has been done before, of course. Indeed, it was done by Tapra Topra last season in the Finnish Liga. So, Holefter going great guns. The two teams above them right now in the Swedish Hockey League are Fekwe and Fariestort. So, Fariestort have been the leaders of the SHL for most of the season, but reigning champions Fekwe are right on their tail now. They were just one point behind them after the games on Saturday. So uh, Fekwe went to Fariestad in Karlstad in a top of the table clash on Thursday and they won that one 5-1. to one. It was actually a much closer game than that final score game might make you think. It was tied one apiece after the first two periods and then Fekwe took the game away with four goals in, I mean, it was just about eight minutes. I think it was just over eight minutes they got four goals. Um, so a big win for them on the road, beating the league leaders. Saturday, they hosted fourth place Lexan. And after Halefja's game, I thought, well, 7-1, Halefja over Lynn Sherpin. That's the, that's the result of the day on Saturday. There's no one who can beat that. Well, Vekwa certainly put me in my place. They beat Lexan 8-1. I mean, an absolute shocker for Lexan. The total write-off of the day that they just need to put in a bin and not think about, I suspect, but an incredible result for Vekwa. Hugo Gustafsson with his first ever hat-trick in the SHL. Dylan McLaughlin scored twice. He's looked really good. I've been watching quite a bit of Fekwa recently and he looked really good over the previous couple of weeks and he got a couple of goals in this one. And Noah Erstland, who was key member of Sweden's World Junior team, he scored the opener in this game. That's two goals in two games since coming back from the World Junior. So really hit the ground running for Noah. As for Fariestad, they recovered from their Thursday night loss against Fekwa by beating Team Raw. 4-1 away on Saturday. Bar Osland got a goal in that one. Number two for Liam Ergren, another guy who was recently been away with Sweden in the World Juniors. And there was a late goal in the last 90 seconds for Victor Edsel. That's 17 goals on the season for Edsel. But big news coming out of Swedish hockey last week was confirmation that Victor Edsel is going to be leaving Fariestad at the end of his contract at the end of the season and heading to Switzerland. 
So it's been a big talking point because there is a fair bit of money in Switzerland. You may already know that. And they are able to offer salaries, not to every player, but certainly the sort of salaries to players that not too many Sw Swedish teams can compete with. They may be able to do it here and there, but they can't just go and match it, basically. In respect of Victor Edsel, I think they've dealt with this particularly well because it came out, I'm not sure how it leaked out, but it came out that Victor Edsel was going to be leaving at the end of the season to go to Switzerland. And both he and Farrestod decided, let, let, let's, let's just deal with it. Let's just do an official statement, confirm that it's true. Yes, I am leaving at the end of the season, but... Now that's confirmed, let's put it to one side. I'm giving absolutely everything to Farriestor to try and win another title this season. I think that's the right way to go. Just deal with it. He's such a popular player, such a good professional, of course, former NHL player as well. Um, nobody is going to be thinking that he's going to have half an hour, you know, half his mind on next season. He's going to be fully committed. So deal with it, acknowledge it, and crack on with the season. They've not officially confirmed yet where he is going, but all the reports are saying that he's going to SC Burn next season. And it was at least twice the money he was on at Ferris. So I think it may have been closer to three times the money he was on when you look at taxes and everything. So you can understand him taking a couple of years out there in Switzerland, getting some good money, setting his family up and then coming back to Farrestad. I'm sure he will come back to Farrestad in a couple of years' time. But it's not just him. There have been reports. These were coming out of the Expressing newspaper in Sweden. Uh, Adam Tambellini, who's been such a good player for Rögler, and also Janne Kukkonen, who's currently at Balmer. Apparently both of Lowe's have got deals in place to move to Switzerland at the end of this current season. Of course, Mario Kemper has moved from uh, Ludwig to Lugano, although that was um, a bit of a cut-a-gotier situation. Mario Kemper decided he didn't want to play for Ludwig anymore. Uh, Ludwig fans, unsurprisingly, were not very happy about this, but he has been kicked out and off to Lugano he goes. But yeah, an, an interesting subplot, and we'll see what else is made of that. But that's a few key top players in the Swedish Hockey League who are being snapped up by the Swiss National League. And um, yeah, we'll see how that um, shapes out for various Swedish teams if uh, more Swiss teams are going to be a bit kind of predatory in grabbing a few top Swedish League players over the coming months. So Edsel is still there for the rest of the season and still smacking in the goals. So that's good news for Freistad. The issue for Freistad has been at in the in the crease goaltenders so both Max Lagasse the former NHL player Carl Lindblom really good young prospects of the Vegas Golden Knights they are both out at the same time they've had to bring in various loans over the past couple of weeks um, Tobias Norman Tobias Norman from AIK I think he got three starts I definitely saw him in two starts and he looked really good but um, yeah so they've been do doing a few loans but they've finally signed Victor Bratstrom who was recently with Hawthorne Hesiet uh, so he has been signed in this week. He made his debut, in fact, on Saturday, saving 19 of 20 shots against Team Raw. He's their sixth goaltender in the last seven games. So they've really been living hand to mouth. I think as much as anything, they've not really given out much detail on what's going on with Max, like I say, and Carl Limboom. But the, the suggestion was that they weren't too sure how long they'd be out and were trying to make do. But now... They've no guarantees that either guy is going to be back particularly quickly. And so let's bring someone in. No need to rush the other guys. Let's bring someone in, give them some time and get them back when they're right and ready. So Farris still top of the league. 
but just by one point. At the other end of the table, the two teams in the bottom stages basically been there all season, Oscar Schramm and Jorge Hurtiet, and they're still there. But a team that has been really struggling of late has been Aerobrew, and it has finally come to pass that their head coach, Johan Hedby, has been relieved of his duties. That actually happened today on Sunday. He was told about it, apparently got a text message last night, and then on Saturday night, and then was brought in for a meeting Sunday morning and was told of the decision. So, Johan Hedby has been replaced, despite the fact that Erebri did get a crucial win against Malmö, fellow strugglers Malmö, on Saturday, 3 to nothing. The writing was already on the wall before that. They've been in really poor form for a while. And that was shown. There was a big banner put outside the arena after the previous game, which, according to Google Translate, said, time to act, send J-H home to J-H home to Tigera. And then, on Saturday, in the game against Malmö, the fans turned on the general manager, Stefan Begton, with a banner that, again, according to Google Translate, said, you don't meet the requirements, let your career go to the grave, resign, Benton. And it's always the same, isn't it? Whatever sport... The head coach is getting in the neck. There'll usually be some platitudes and he's got our full support, blah, 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 blah. When the crowd then start turning on the GM, suddenly, funnily enough, they're happy to get rid of the head coach. It's like, they can be the sacrificial lamb. Stop having to go at me. Let's get rid of the coach. So that's what's happened in Erebrew. And it's an interesting situation because the former head coach, Nicholas Eriksson, who had been moved up to be the sporting director, is now going to be going back to the bench and it's going to be the head coach. Essentially, what was being said by Benson, the GM, after this was that maybe they didn't quite make the right decision last time when they promoted him, that he's best off on the bench. But he is back. He obviously knows everyone at the team really well, but he needs to. Everybody have been really struggling of late. They are right in the mix to be potentially ended up getting dragged into the relegation playoffs. So they need to pick up soon. Felt that they had no choice but to part ways with Johan Hedbyer. I think that was the right decision as well. There was no turning around once it had got that toxic, unfortunately for him. I'm sure he'll be snapped up by another team. Um, various rumours already about that potentially coming for next season. But for now, Erebrew have got a new man in charge and someone who needs to make an impact quick because they are struggling in the Swedish Hockey League. And that is your roundup out of Sweden. And that's about it for this episode of the Hockey With Us podcast. It's been nice to get back in the groove doing another podcast. NHL cover, Champions Hockey League semi-finals coming up, Swedish Hockey League updates. It's all going on. Lots of hockey to look forward to. Monday... It is Martin Luther King Day in the US, isn't there? So there are various games that are taking place Monday afternoon, uh, Monday lunchtime, Monday afternoon US. So nice evening time viewing here in Europe. I believe at least one of them, in fact, I'm pretty sure the game, one of the games was in Buffalo. And there's all the stuff about the Buffalo Bills uh, NFL playoff game has been moved back a day because of terrible weather out there in Buffalo. And I think... The NHL game has been moved back an hour as well to try and get the game in earlier. I think that's happened to a couple of games, maybe 
Pittsburgh as well. I can't remember if Pittsburgh were at home or away, but um, so keep an eye on the NHL.com details if you're going to watch them, if you're watching this before Monday, because some of the games are being brought forward because of the, the, the really bad weather, the severe weather out there on the East Coast in the US. But lots of them games to look forward to. There's in the Champions Hockey League semifinals on Tuesday, some SHL, Hockey Elsvenska, Finnish League games across the rest of the week as well. So plenty of hockey to enjoy. I will be doing just that. And I will be back again next week, probably recording, just look at my schedule, probably recording again next Sunday with another update. Thanks, as always, for listening. Do get in contact on Twitter and follow along at Hockey With Ice. And I've also got my hockeywithice.uk blog, which I am in the process of updating the design of. So lots going on, yeah. And we will be sticking some of this on YouTube. I promised that the last couple of times and I didn't get around to it. So slapped on the wrist. I am going to do it. Don't worry. I'll put some highlights up on YouTube channel too. Again, at Hockey With Ice. But thank you once again for listening to the pod. And we'll be back in a week's time. Until then, enjoy lots of hockey. The version with ice.